What's up, guys? It is Tuesday, October 19th, episode 186. And today I have Sunny Agarwal, co-founder of Osmosis. He explains how they are a DEX and automated market maker and everything that they're doing from a DeFi perspective. He's also worked on Tendermint and is a co-host for the Epicenter podcast, which you may also have heard of. Aside from that, go sign up for the Block Cash Insider newsletter. It is $250 a month, but you get advanced analysis, token ratings, projections, and a whole lot more. So go check it out. And with that said, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain and osmosis. Enjoy. Bitcoin's almost like at an all-time high, so it's it's a great day in general. Always a good day. <laughs> oh yeah. Any any thoughts on the the fact that an ETF for Bitcoin actually exists now on the New York Stock Exchange? It's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, I feel like I remember like the 2017 bull run was like kicked off by like the rumor of like the Winklevoss ETF. And it's like, wow, okay, four years later, and it's finally, okay, finally have one now. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Took a while, but we, we got there. Yeah, it did, it did take a while. Uh, the SEC definitely wouldn't let that go through. Um, I'm surprised they stepped back, and now they're allowing it. I think Grayscale is going to do one, too, uh, with actual mm-hmm. physical Bitcoin in it. So should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyways, before we jump into um, talking about osmosis and you know everything that you guys are doing right now, um, tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background. Like, how did you get into crypto? How did you get into this space? Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> so I, you know, there's a rolling stages of what it means to like get into crypto, right? Um, but I guess like you know, my first like time I was like got it, like you know really more involved with it was. Um, I was a freshman at UC Berkeley and I heard, you know, I was studying computer science and political economy and there was this little Bitcoin club there. And so I was like, reached out to them and I was like, Hey, can I like do stuff? You know, that like, this is the perfect combination of the, the two things I was interested in. And so I just started like, you know, helping out there, um, and learning more. Um, I signed up to then teach a class on it cause, um, for me, my tri- when I want to learn something, the best way to learn something is to sign up to teach it. Because if you have to teach something, you better fucking learn it. Uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> that was my like technique that I always used. Um, and so yeah, so we ch- started teaching a class on like Bitcoin and stuff. Oh, sorry. Um, and then yeah, I, we started teaching that class for a couple. You know, I taught it for two semesters, and I just kind of like learned a lot of the internals of Bitcoin. Um, and then the summer after my sophomore year, I was interning at first at a company called consensus, which is, you know, the, one of the big Ethereum development companies. And then kind of got bored of my internship halfway, halfway through the summer. But then I got really interested in proof of stake while I was there. And so I started like, spent most of the summer just researching proof of stake stuff. And I learned about Tendermint and I was like, wow, this consensus protocol is cool. And so I reached out to the Tendermint team and started working with them. And I was learning so much that come fall, I was like, this is, uh, I'm learning way more here than I am at school. So I, I dropped out and uh, started working on Tendermint and Cosmos full time. What, what did you do um, when you worked on Tendermint? Yeah, so I was working on a bunch of different things. So, you know, I was there pretty soon after the Cosmos, you know, ICO, um, we were, uh, we, I worked on 
parts up and down the stack, basically, you know, help build uh, the Cosmos SDK. My, my role was a research scientist. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I'm still trying to figure out what that role means. Sure. Uh, but, you know, it, it involved a lot of development, a lot of like research and spec work and like designing things. Um, I think that's sort of the part that I actually love the most is mostly on like the architecture and designing kind of things. Uh, but then also it was also like a lot of evangelism as well. You know, I was sort of the one out there in the community telling, teaching everyone about Cosmos and be like, hey, guys, the interchain, like this is going to be so cool. And uh, yeah, just like growing the Cosmos ecosystem that way as well. Yeah, I, I hear good things about the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, what about it do you, do you like so much or that's kind of drawn you towards, you know, building around that? Mm hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I was in, I, I was working on like Ethereum stuff before that. And before that I was, you know, really in Bitcoin and Cosmos always, almost in a way felt like a little bit of the synthesis of the two. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like, Hey, everything that's going on in Ethereum is super cool. Like all these applications being built, but I just didn't see them as being scalable. Uh, and both from, I mean that both from like a technical scalability, but also social scalability. And so, like, you know, I believe that, like, communities will want their own blockchains. And that, you know, the more things that you have in one system, the less scalable it becomes. I, I, I kind of put it actually in this, like, sort of uh, narrative where it's like, okay, I treat, like, the generation of one of blockchains as these, like, kingdoms, right? Or, like, small city-states where you have, mm -hmm. like, Bitcoin and, like, uh, Saya and Namecoin. They all have their own little applications, but they're not really, like... You can't use your Bitcoin to buy a name on Namecoin. Then Ethereum came along and I call this like the empire model, which is like, hey, let's build one big system that sort of like puts every all applications within its domain. And then you can get a lot of composability. So I can like mix and match and like use applications together. But then you lose out on a lot of like sovereignty and things like that. And so block Cosmos, I see as sort of the th like the third generation. And what I mean by that is like, it's kind of, I see it the it's the nation state model of blockchains mm -hmm. where it's like, hey, can you get like, in the world today, we have high levels of economic integration without political integration. And so I think we could do the same with blockchain. Can we have a network of many blockchains that are still interacting with each other? We can send tokens between them. We can send data between them. We can send you know, have them like build complex applications by taking these like building blocks, but they still are on their own independent blockchains and have that level of sovereignty. Yeah. Taking that into account, how do you think it stacks up um, next to other car, uh, blockchains like Cardano or Polkadot um, or, or Tezos um, that, that also have a lot of you know, potential viability? Yeah. So I think most of those systems, you know, I, I'd say like, you know, Cardano and Tezos mm -hmm. and uh, Solana and stuff, they, they kind of are continuing along the empire model and trying to make maybe better empires. Uh, you know, they're building more scalable models and stuff, but I think that in the end, that's ultimately non-scalable. It's going to hit, it's going to, you, you know, things like Solana are doing a great job at like really pushing the boundaries on how scalable a single blockchain can be, but inevitably they will hit some boundaries at some point. And um, I think like, you know, some things like Polkadot, for example, I think Cosmos and Polkadot are sort of more similar, more in that, you know, in this model of like, oh, okay, we're going to go towards a more of a multi-chain future. Uh, and then I think they approach it from like a little bit different uh, 
directions where cosmos is really more focused on like sovereign blockchains while polka dot kind of I don't know. I, I I call Polkadot somewhere in the middle between like the mm-hmm. empire model and nations. Like maybe it's like the EU or something. I, I think that's like the, <laughs> it's like somewhere in the middle. It's like not not empire model, but it's not quite fully sovereign state. It's like somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all those, you know, fully develop and play out over time. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. all the tension is kind of on Bitcoin right now, but I'm sure that. Um, you know, we're going to enter an alt season pretty soon and a lot of money and attention will start flowing into those, um, those projects. So I think they'll start shaping out as we get into the next year. Um, I want to talk about, uh, Cosmo, uh, sorry, Cosmos, uh, Osmosis as well. Um, mm-hmm. because you're one of the co-founders for that, correct? Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what it is and what you guys are doing with it. Yeah. So, um, around last year, so about almost a little bit over a year ago now, I left the Tendermint team, like the Cosmos mm-hmm. team, um, to just sort of start doing different things. And during the time, you know, DeFi summer was happening on Ethereum. And I was like, whoa, there's a lot of cool stuff happening here. How do we bring DeFi to Cosmos? And so um, me and one of my co-founders, Dave, we spent a while just like, you know, we're like, okay, what do we want to solve? Like, we're like, hey, let's build... Um, like, you know, when we started working in the space, there was three things we wanted to solve, right? There was like proof of stake, scalability, and privacy. And it's like, I feel like we did a, you know, I think we basically solved proof of stake at this point. Like, you know, I don't think anything launches today without using proof of stake. Uh, scalability, you know, it's well underway. I think there's a lot of people working on cool solutions. And I think it's just like a lot of people working on it. And it's like coming along well. But then the last one was privacy. So we're like, okay, let's like focus in on this privacy and figure out what we want to solve with this. And so the specific thing that we decided to focus in on, which we saw like there was a high demand for, was a feature we're calling like mempool privacy. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is, you know, if you've been following MEV and like front running on Ethereum, it's like this idea that like people are reading other people's transactions in the mempool and then like front running them and sandwiching them and like extracting value by, by knowing that data. And so what we built was a solution that makes it basically all the transactions uh, are encrypted before they hit the chain. And only once they hit the chain, they're like decrypted and executed. So this basically prevents any of that sort of front running stuff from happening. And that was sort of like the original thing that he and I were like focused on. Meanwhile, on the other side of the world, literally, uh, they were Josh and Tony. Um, they were sort of the creators of this wallet called Kepler, which was like the biggest uh, wallet in the Cosmos ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And they, as a hackathon project, sort of built the MVP of Osmosis. They, at a hackathon, they like took the balancer code, uh, or not the code, but they took their paper and they implemented it in the Cosmos SDK, which is the framework to build Cosmos apps. And so we started sort of working with them uh, to sort of get the threshold encryption uh, into that project. And we kind of like, basically we ended up merging teams essentially to sort of uh, work on osmosis. And we uh, had been working on it since about January and we launched in about June of this year. And, you know, it's, uh, and since then, you know, we, we're still very much focused on our, you know, North Star sort of, of like getting the uh, privacy into this DEXs. But then we're also working on a number of other cool features around like 
innovations around like uh, seeking and just like new DeFi primitives that we're building um, as well as just we're doing a lot of like the Cosmo, like a lot of just like growing the Cosmos ecosystem and like making the uh, UX of like the interchain just really, you know, we have a mission to show the world that the UX of the interchain will be as good as like dealing with a single chain. And so we've been working a lot on like getting the features needed to make that possible. Got it. What are you guys trying to do in terms of DeFi? Yeah. So right now we're primarily a DEX. So we're a DEX. Um, okay. We are an AMM DEX specifically. We're heavily inspired by Balancer. Um, but then we also take elements of a bunch of different protocols like Sushi and Curve and ThorChain and things like that. Um, but yeah, so we basically... Um, and then as we go forward, we're just working on new DeFi protocols to make it easier, you know, to expand the functionalities of our deck. So um, my belief is that, like, if decentralized exchanges want to um, compete with, like, centralized exchanges, you know, centralized exchanges offer, like, a, a series of products that are sort of all packaged into this one uh, experience. So, like, one that... Like the trading infrastructure is just one thing that they do, but they also do like, you know, what are other things they do? They like often provide like discovery tools. They provide, you know, initial access to tokens. They provide custody solutions. They provide like all the fiat on ramps. And so it's like we're trying to figure out how do we build um, decentralized versions of like all of these like pieces so we can provide that best UX to uh, a full product to like all the users. Yeah, can you explain what an AMM is, an automated money maker? I'm sure some people mm -hmm. may be familiar with it, but it's it's kind of a new mm -hmm. term. Yeah, so AMM it stands for automated market maker, uh, and what an automated market maker is is it's a new format of a uh, exchange, um, and what it how it works is um, it was instead of having an order book. Like, you know, people place orders and you have market makers placing orders and people, you know, takers who take who like make market orders and, and buy those. Um, what an AMM is, is you have a you have two, you know, two main classes of users. You have the LPs and you have the traders. And so LPs are people who want to basically be the market makers. It's an algorithmic market maker where what you do is you just take your you take. Let's say there's two assets in a pool. For a specific pair, you take both the assets, you put them into a smart contract, and the smart contract will use an algorithm to do market making for you. You'll be market making according to the algorithm, and um, you know. And what you do, the, the reason you do this is that you'll earn the swap fee. So you'll have traders now who come in and they say, "Hey, I want to trade asset A for B." The uh, algorithm will tell the trader, "Hey, here's the price that we'll sell it to you at." Um, and the trader will be like, okay, and they'll pay a fee on that. And they'll basically algorithm will use your assets to sell them uh, tokens. And so by doing this, um, you earn the swap fee, but you know, you take on, there's, all, there's a lot of risk that goes into LPing as well. But what it did was it sort of democratized um, this like market making process where you, you, okay, you don't have to be this like, super professional like market maker that's like you can you can be a more passive player and still like provide liquidity and help like the ecosystem and like uh benefit from it 
Got it. Got it. Yeah, it, it's interesting. All the things that are being done with DeFi lately. Um, and it feels like there's a DeFi summer, obviously last summer, and then there was one again this summer. Um, and I, I don't know if it's relegated to just seasons, mm-hmm. but it's um, very interesting how decentralized finance is really starting to play out and you know push back in exchanges and offer the same kind of liquidity and products that you get uh, mm-hmm. to traders and to people that want to invest. And um, it's really fun watching that space grow. Is that something you guys want to stay in? in DeFi and have a DEX or do you want to also branch out and maybe do tokens or NFTs or a more specific use case? Um, what's kind of the future for osmosis? Yeah. I mean, I think our focus is primarily on DeFi right now, as well as just like this general interchain infrastructure. Like I said, you know, our, our, our thesis is interchain DeFi. And so, you know, we kind of have to focus on both of those sides. Um, but on, you know, on the other stuff, you know, I think like NFTs, like, I think we are seeing this process right now where they're slowly becoming more and more financialized where, and I think like the NFT market right now, like, especially like, I think what's happening right now is people are building new DeFi tools around NFTs. So you see things like fractionalization, you see new ideas like floor perps and all these like cool ways of like you borrowing against nfts mm-hmm. um and we see like this is like a new DeFi primitives being built around these and you know the primitives that are being built around these like art nfts but we have to imagine that in the future like more and more financial assets are going to be placed on chain and many of them will have to be structured as nfts so for example a home or something right a home deed that would probably have to be an nft and like a lot of the DeFi tools that we're using that are being built right now for the current class of nfts will be generalized to then you know deal with all this new financial assets so really i see these two um sort of ecosystems like converging uh going forward um and then yeah yeah, it, that would be pretty cool. I do imagine they will converge at some point. I know there's a lot of people trying to find a way to properly appraise mm-hmm. um, NFTs so that you can do something like that. So you can borrow against it or or lend or um, fractionalize it in some kind of way, um, incorporate it into DeFi. So I think that's definitely an avenue for NFTs. It'd be cool to see that, see you guys do that in the future too, if it becomes mm-hmm. you know viable. What about um, like tokenized securities or stuff like that? Um, yeah, so we're not really focused on like, you know, the issuance of tokenized securities itself, but like, you know, I think there might be a couple of projects in the Cosmos ecosystem working on mm-hmm. things like that. And, you know, our, our goal is, um, you know, we're just focused on building infrastructure and mm-hmm. like, it's a permissionless platform. You can bring over any sort of, uh, you know, token that matches the IBC standard and it will be compatible with that. Got it. Um, moving away from that for a second, I imagine, or I know you, um, you're one of the co-hosts on the Epicenter podcast, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a fellow podcaster, what's it like being a podcaster in the the crypto space? It's very different. It's very, very niche. Um, <laughs> but you have yeah. some incredible conversations, meet some very interesting people. Um, what's it been like for you? Yeah, um, I guess, you know, similar to what I said at the beginning, uh, when I want to learn something, I sign up to teach it. Mm-hmm. And so I guess like, you know, podcasting with like you know interviewing is not not quite the same as teaching but it's pretty similar right and i feel it's like epicenter is really fun because it gives me the opportunity to like keep up with the entire ecosystem because i feel like otherwise oftentimes i'll be just like very like head in the sand focused like building what i'm focused on or focus on what i'm building Mm -hmm. uh you know 
super deep in what we're doing, but I was like, all right, once a week I get an opportunity to like, you know, go learn about something going on in NFT or go working mm-hmm. on, learn about something going on, like a different ecosystem or something going on in like the social crypto ecosystem or something like that. So I think that's like, that's sort of been like the really nice thing about Epicenter is it's just like, a, you know, constant learning uh, tool. I'm very much the same. I I learned so much just doing a podcast. It was kind of like the the whole reason I did it. I just wanted to learn more. And then, um, you know, you start having great conversations. You meet so many interesting people. um, And I don't know. It's just fantastic um, Mm -hmm. medium of exchange of information, I guess. What's been Um, your favorite episode you've done? I've I've done so many. I I don't think it's fair for me to pick, especially live. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) I... I don't know. I'm not going to pick. That's not fair. <laughs> but I, I enjoy all of them because I always learn something new. And this space is moving mm-hmm. like crazy all the time um, mm-hmm. and changing every single day. So every time I have someone on, which is almost every single day, I'm learning something. Mm-hmm. So I know I, I take great pride and value in, in being able to have that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, before we wrap up, I'm, I want to get more of like a high mm-hmm. level opinion from you. Um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously said it a few times, Bitcoin's like almost, you know, about to break its all time high. A lot of people are very bullish. Um, you know, that can also be, um, a dangerous thing. People getting in at the wrong time. Where do you think the market's kind of at right now? Do you think it's, um, you know, probably going to do very well going into the end of the year? Do you think it's just building momentum for next year? Um, do you think there's, you know, potential worries that people are going to get in at the wrong time and, you know, might just mm-hmm. get completely hammered or do you have an idea in, in your opinion of the direction of the market? Um, so I will just say I am a terrible trader, which is why I don't <laughs> trade. That's just why I, I'm like, okay, I, I, I've learned a long time ago that I'm not the greatest at that. And so instead mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I've, I'll just hold my Bitcoin and my uh, ETH and whatever, and I'll just hold it for many years on end. Um, but, you know, that being said, I, I don't know. I mean, I think like like we mentioned, the ETF stuff is pretty interesting. Um, we'll be seeing, we'll be interesting to see like, you know, the, the meme for a long time has been, oh, when the ETF comes, the institutions are coming, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. I wonder what the e- what institutions actually want to use the ETF for. I wonder how much like short pressure there is on that's going to be like unleashed because of the access to this ETF. Um, so that might, that, that could be interesting to see. Um, but you know, what's uh, crazy is about like an hour ago before even jumping on here, I saw that the the volume trade volume already for the ETF was over like $500 million. Um, wow. so mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely getting some attention, but yeah, it mm-hmm. was kind of a joke for a while. Like, is this going to be the make or break thing for Bitcoin? Like an ETF really? Um, <laughs> I don't really think it was ever that important, but you know, apparently for some yeah. people it was. Maybe it's just legitimizing, but w- yeah, we live in a world where Bitcoin's in an ETF now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and otherwise, you know, I mean, I I think that as long as the ecosystem still building real products and like, you know, or as long as it continues to build real products, uh, yeah, we will think of. We're all going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, the future of DeFi? You seem to really like it and kind of be in that you know space anyways mm-hmm. within the blockchain. How do you see that developing You know, going into next year? There's a lot of good things, a lot of positive things, a lot of competition, um, a lot of mm-hmm. new ideas. Um, do you think that that's going to carry over very well? Do you think you know possible 
you know, regulations could hold that back. Um, mm-hmm. could be some, you know, pushback from, you know, big exchanges or government in different parts of the world. I, I don't know. What, what do you think? What's your opinion? Yeah. So I think, um, DeFi is going to continue to develop. I think there's going to be, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot more new stuff that's being developed. I think there's actually a whole, like, you know, the design space is still like, there's still a lot more to explore in my opinion. And so I think we're going to push into that more and more. Um, I think the, you know, one big thing that I see that's coming is going to be, you know, I think as DeFi goes multi-chain, um, I think, you know, four years ago when Cosmos used to be like, oh, multi-chain is the future or like, uh, it, like everyone was like, oh, no, 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 Ethereum is going to scale, right? And it's like, well, now it's like very, I feel like now it's like, uh, in, in a way we were kind of definitely right about that. And like, I don't think it's hard to dispute with that. But now I guess the next big thing is like, you know, what's the future of interchain going to be? Is it going to be like everything on, you're going to have the generalized chains and the same DeFi apps deploying everywhere. So you see things like, you know, Sushi, they're going around on every single chain and they're like, okay, we're going to deploy on Polygon and then on Arbitrum and then on DSC and then on like, we're going to just deploy everywhere, you know? Um, or do you see things, or is it going to be like application specific chains? So like the example, an example of this would be like compound chain, right? Compound chain is like, oh, we're not going to go deploy compound on every protocol. Instead, we're going to build compound chain and have that connect to every other chain and so osmosis is sort of in that same realm that i call that the interchain world uh versus the multi-chain um and so just random terms i made up (laughs) uh but yeah so i think that's sort of what we're going to see is like going to be the next big thing of seeing like which direction DeFi goes is it going to be more towards an interchain future or a multi-chain future cool it's exciting man it's going to be exciting future either way it goes um, anyways, good place to wrap up. Uh, Sunny, thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast and, you know, elaborate on osmosis and cosmos and, um, you know, your background, tendermints, epicenter, your thoughts on DeFi, your thoughts on the market. Really appreciate it. Um, stay on for just a second uh, mm-hmm. so I can talk to you. Otherwise, love to talk to you again in the future. Let me know. Awesome. Thank you.